You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I enjoyed uh, listening to you and Kane uh, do the podcast yesterday. Um, and I was going um, I don't, to, I don't know, I think I've ever really had this register before, but uh, many of you may listen to the starters on NBA TV and uh, via the podcast, um, I'm a an OG starter slash basketball Jones fan, so I, I uh, feel like I have some cred here. I I actually I forget what year it was. There was one year where I would they had a before the TV show they had a mock draft, and I'm trying to remember what year that was. It was in, it was after 2010 because I remember where I was when I did it. And it was at one of my, my previous employers. But they did a mock draft in which I did get to represent the Bucks, and I've met them a few times, and they're really good dudes. But long story short, um, for some reason today, I started reading Kane's tweets in Lee Ellis's voice, who is a fellow <laughs> Aussie. And I don't know why I never thought to do, like, why I never thought of that previously. I mean, again, like, they're both Australian, so they have Australian accents. I'm not going to act like Kane and Lee sound that much alike otherwise. Um, but I listened to the podcast you did with Kane. And then thereafter, I was reading Kane's tweets. And I, and then for some reason in my head, I read them as in Lee Ellis's voice. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's my useless. I mean, that's not even a story. That's just a, a stupid thing that I thought of today. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Um, as you said, uh, as you guys said on the pod, a little bit disappointing start to the weekend, although, you know, no Giannis kind of all bets off uh, against the Wizards. And then uh, nice to see Giannis return, get buckets, and uh, the Bucks, you know, do their usual light it up, light it up thing against the uh, Atlanta Hawks, which uh, puts us in an interesting spot here uh, at the start of the week with uh, some interesting games coming up with the, the Heat on Tuesday, Giannis's old nemesis, the nemesis, the Heat, uh, and then a little tricky back-to-back going to memphis and what is it then orlando on saturday and orlando's been playing yep. much better of late too so um you know not a not a lot of teams on the schedule that you would like look at and say oh man if you can if you can beat that team and that team you'd feel really great but <laughs> obviously the bucks have already lost to both the grizzlies and the heat already this season and um i mean you have to cross your fingers that the old Bucks never lose to the same team twice. Thing will will continue because that would mean that they would just sweep their this back to back. But um, certainly easier said than done, given travel, uh, given the way the Heat have defended the Bucks and Giannis in general, and uh, and also you know Giannis potentially still nursing that uh, that injury. I think he's listed as probable as of uh, Monday evening for Tuesday's game. Um, so knock on wood that that uh, that doesn't slow him down. But uh, but yeah. Um, 
you know, overall, Bucks kind of keep keep trucking on, and um, you know, that's that's a very good thing. That if the Bucks just keep doing what they're doing, I think you're going to be very happy with this team in, in the regular season, at least. I'm really curious. I need to look it up, but for some reason, I feel like Giannis's heat struggles only happen in Miami and I know that I'm, I'm sure that's probably wrong like they, he probably struggles against the heat all the time but for some reason it just feels like the worst of the worst are like oh they're in Miami things aren't going well because I think in one heat game he had that like double pump dunk uh in Milwaukee that was at home uh, yeah they won that game I and like for some reason I just feel like it's just in Miami and like I said I'm it's probably wrong because Spo has is a great coach and probably has a good game plan cooked up no matter where they are. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to watch. And like you said, you know they already lost to the Grizzlies, and yeah, there's not there's not really a game until I think probably OKC two Sundays from now on the 27th, where you know you can really feel good about oh yeah, this is a, a big game or a big win or or whatever whatever words you want to use to, to describe a win, like you can kind of do it on that, on that Sunday. But before that Miami, Memphis, Orlando, Dallas, Charlotte, like uh, there's not, there's not a ton to feel great about just kind of games where you want to see the team go about their business. And um, this was something I was going to ask you about. I know I don't kind of get these feelings anymore. Um, And uh Kane obviously covers the team as well, so I don't think like he does. But like, I'm just curious, what's your mindset watching a game without Giannis on a, on a Friday night? Like, is that just like is your world just like shattered? Like, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. Is it like, oh, okay, like I'm still super stressed out about this because every win that the Bucks can compile this year matters. Are, are you uh, really mad at the end of the game when they lose by seven? Like, what what? goes through your head in in that situation yeah i have to say i on friday i was pretty like like i definitely can um i get excited for every bucks game um but then i also would say i feel um a fairly high level of anxiety watching game watching games as well uh sure and it's different now because you know the bucks obviously you're like wanting that you're you're really, you know, really hoping that they win every game. So it's kind of weird because, you know, the, the when the bar raises, like it doesn't make, you know, like, you know, you, then it, it, you call it first world problems or whatever. But then it's like, well, I, you know, uh, we're playing a bad team. Well, if we don't kill them, then it'll feel disappointing, right? Or if it's a road team, you know, road game against a decent team, previous years, maybe you say, well, you know, be competitive and maybe have a chance to win or something like that. Now it's, yeah, we should beat every team on the road pretty much. Right. (laughs) Like there's only a handful of teams that you would say in a road game, like, ah, we don't really have, well, actually, I mean, there's no team that you would say we don't have a chance against or like, I don't, you know, I accept a loss, right. Every game you say, screw that. I want to win. Bucks can win this game. I mean, they killed the warriors in Oakland. They've beaten the Raptors. They've beaten the nuggets. I mean, like pretty much go down the list of great teams. Like they have, you know, been right there or, or beaten them on the road when they've gotten the chance so um so it is a little weird because i i would say i feel a fairly high level of anxiety and um as people know i am very um i'm keenly interested in uh in Giannis's production <laughs> and involvement and um that's like the thing i root for as a fan like i root for Giannis to put up big numbers and i would say my enjoyment of games is tangibly impacted regardless like if all things being equal, they win or they lose. My enjoyment of the game is very tangibly impacted by 
how Giannis does. And, um, you know, it's very important to me as a fan. Like I, I really, it means a lot that we have a player who is, you know, in this discussion for MVP for doing historical things and all these other things. So I, I'm a, I would say, even though I'm, you would think that you, this would dissipate as you get older, you know, like, I feel like when you get older, like you just kind of become like, eh, less about like the players and just like, eh, I'm sure. just crusty old bucks fan and whatever like as long as they win like i'm happy but um i think getting a chance to watch a transcendent talent like Giannis has made me you know kind of more invested than ever and i always had like favorites like i always i generally always kind of really rooted for the bucks you know whoever was sort of like the bucks best player i really was invested in them because i wanted the bucks to have a great player if that makes sense mm-hmm. so like um, I was a huge Glenn Robinson fan as a kid because I needed Glenn Robinson to be great because I wanted the yeah. Bucks to have a star player. Um, and the uh, the most ironic thing is that I actually was not as much of a Ray Allen fan. I almost viewed Ray Allen as like somewhat like competitive to Big Dog's greatness, which doesn't make any sense because they both played on my team. Um, yeah. I and and in part because like back then you really didn't have an appreciate like I would say the advanced analytics now make. Um, make you feel a lot better about Ray Allen and worse about Glenn Robinson. But, you know, back then, like we didn't have like all the, all the data that we have now. So, um, and you had George Carl calling Ray Allen soft every other day, like just like trashing his defense. And I mean, he did the same for big dog, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting, but anyway, so I've always like kind of had, you know, and then, and even when, um, you know, Bogut was probably the other guy, like when I, I really like reengaged oh, yeah. like in 05 when they drafted Bogut and I probably was a lot less like that about Red like I never I can't say I was ever really a Michael Red stan I don't know like I just never got probably because he was a second round pick and like he was never supposed to be great so I never had that like oh we need this guy to be great type thing it was more like oh he's really good um but uh but yeah Bogut 910 I, I was ready to fight anyone who said Bogut didn't deserve all NBA or wasn't in discussion for like defensive player of the year like I was ready like yeah. that year like let's go like you were so wrong you you have no idea what you're talking about like I was in and ready to argue in like in that year and obviously he he got honored uh third team that year um but you know it, it was just like a situation where I was like I'm ready so yes I, I feel you on that one yeah, um, and even when Andrew Bogut blocked me on Twitter, I managed to still root for him as my favorite player. That's a weird thing emotionally. I think I've talked about that when your favorite player decides that you specifically should not be allowed to see what he says to the public. Um, he followed me before that, so it's not like you know it was completely random. I didn't just like tweet garbage at him or something like that, but I must have sure. tweeted something that I mean, he, let's be honest, sensitive dude, prickly dude. Yes. Um, which is, I feel like that's very weird for an Australian. I feel like he should not be so damn sensitive. Like, yes. I don't know, we got to ask Kane about this next time. But um, and, and believe it or not, you are snarky on Twitter sometimes. Oh, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so like that huge digression aside, um, yeah, like when Giannis is playing, I feel like a, I'm at like a heightened level of anxiety, but also I get that heightened level of enjoyment because obviously watching him is great. Um, and when he's doing well, I, I just really, you know, really enjoy it that much more so to answer your question on friday i felt like weirdly kind of disengaged with the game i mean i watched it i watched the whole thing i was obviously rooting for the bucks um but it was also a game where like it felt like the bucks kind of you know they go down early giving up the big first quarter and you're just like 
eh, like they, do they just do they just not have it tonight? Like you know, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't like a roller coaster game so much because it just felt like they couldn't get over the hump, and so you know, I, I don't know. I mean, nobody kind of really got me that excited about the game. Like you know, nobody played great for the Bucks. Like you know, it wasn't like you were riding some guy's hot streak or something like that. So I don't know. I mean, I guess what Sterling Brown probably had had the kind of most um, in kind of a role playerish way had a nice game, which obviously I'm a big Sterling Brown fan. But um, but yeah, I don't know. It was like kind of weird because I did feel like kind of like less pressure as a fan to see my team win. Um, but after the game, I also sort of came to this realization of like, and I tweeted as much. I was like, oh man, like who knows, right? Sunday afternoon, Sunday afternoon games mm-hmm. are weird. You gotta go play Atlanta. You just like crushed them, but they've they're frisky. Like they've had some decent yeah. performances. They've beaten some teams. Um, I was just like a little bit concerned that like, oh man, like can you imagine if the Bucks' first back to back losses came to the Wizards <laughs> and Hawks? That would be really not great, especially given kind of every every loss is uh, is kind of harder to to come back from in terms of like the standings because obviously you're you're chasing Toronto. Who, I mean, they don't lose very many games, so. Um, so it was, a, yeah, it was kind of a weird weekend because on Friday it was like, well, just kind of the way it is. And especially the way they lost with Washington, just hitting a ton of shots kind of felt like, all right, well, you know, what, what are you going to do? Um, but, uh, but that also made it, you know, maybe make it a little more invested in, in Sunday. Cause obviously you wanted to see them bounce back. You wanted to see them really lay the wood to, uh, a very green Hawks team that, uh, that, you know, I think Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe. Um, in particular, uh, they they saw you know fresh meat out there, and uh, yes. they, they obviously tried to they 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 took advantage of it, and that's so. Yeah, um, they definitely did, and uh, you know uh, it's it's just kind of I don't know with this with this Bucks team it. It was just so strange to see them give up such a huge first quarter on that Friday that, that I mean, I, I totally understood getting kind of disengaged from that game. Like, it was just, you saw, I mentioned on the pod, but, you know, there was just like a couple of rebounds that like Brooke Lopez blocked out his guy and everyone like blocked their guys out. And then it was like, oh shit, Giannis normally grabs those. Um, one of us is going to have to do that. Like, we should do that. And, you know, you see eight rebounds from Middleton in that one, 11 rebounds from him against the Hawks. And it's like, Oh, okay. That's kind of weird and unusual, but all right. Sounds good. And, you know, I just think it just made for, you know, this weird weekend. And uh, then on Sunday, I, I know at least I was watching uh, Raptors wizards beforehand and, you know, you saw the Wizards have this 54% shooting night against the Bucks, and you're you're thinking like, oh man, Bradley Beal starts off like two for 16, and it's like, oh, couldn't have one of those against the Raptors, huh? And then all of a sudden they come roaring back into that, and right before the Hawks, uh, before the Hawks and the Bucks get started, they're in the game, and you're thinking, oh, maybe they could, you know, beat both the Bucks and Raptors, and even out the score at the top of the Eastern Conference, and then uh, the Raptors pull out one out in, in double overtime. And I, I think it it just kind of leads to the spot where, you know, I I think with I don't know, like with like the trade deadline getting closer and uh, getting to the halfway point officially, like the Bucks are forty two games in, and you know, like 
it, it's such a weird spot because I just keep hearing national people talk about the Bucks, whether it's Zach Lowe uh, with Bill Simmons or it's uh, our guys Andrew Sharp and Ben Golliver over at the Open Floor Podcast. Like it just like everyone kind of understands that the Bucks are good and they're in a spot where I think if, like the nerds are satisfied. They can see that. You know the Bucks have the underlying numbers to be a good basketball team. I think the the casuals can be satisfied because they have Giannis putting on a show in, and I mean, uh, I mean, whatever games it is, where forty three against Toronto the other night, uh, twenty seven and twenty one against the Rockets on national TV. Like he just keeps doing stuff like that. So the casual fan is, I think, in many ways, uh, satisfied with what the Bucks are doing. And now you're just kind of in a spot where. I don't want to say uh, you got to sim the rest of the season because the Bucks have a road heavy schedule coming up. And as we've talked about, weird things can happen on the road, but it's just kind of like a spot where the Bucks still have more to prove. But I mean, I don't know how much more they can prove or what they can do to get to a spot where everyone's be like, yep, they're the favorite. Because like, I don't think that's ever going to happen because you, you still have that question about uh, them in the playoffs. They haven't won a playoff series. Uh, I mean, for a long time since 2001. So um, I don't know. It, it, I just think it, it feels like it makes for a, a weird kind of viewing experience because, you know, we just talked about these upcoming five games for, before Oklahoma city. And it's like in one season, you've gone from seeing really good teams on the schedule and being like, Ooh, that's a game I'm going to circle because the bucks can prove something to someone or to me, uh, in that game and these other games, they can't uh, from last year where it was just like, well, that's a loss. So the bucks better take care of business against these crummy teams and get wins here so that they can get enough wins to get a, a home court advantage in the playoffs. Like the, the switch has just been <laughs> just so drastic that all of a sudden you're, you're just looking at the team totally differently. Yeah. And um, it, it was interesting. So um, Andrew and Ben on the open floor podcast talked a, a bit about the, the game or a lot about the bucks after the, uh, Rockets game, and I mean they've been leading the charge. You know they they have their. Uh, if you don't listen to them, they're it, it, uh, they, they are personal <laughs> favorites of ours. And I think objectively, I know a lot of people love the podcast. It's not just um, you know because I in particular I know Andrew well, but um, but uh, they they have you know they refer to themselves as Giannis Inc. Uh, given their best interest in uh, in Giannis's <laughs> you know development and um, just general trajectory. And I, I can vouch for Andrew having been on. The Giannis bandwagon since draft night uh, six years ago, but um, but it was I was I was actually a little surprised because I was I think um, and I, I I don't remember the exact way that that Ben couched it, but I think he was still retaining some skepticism about their kind of credentials as like an upper tier sort of contender. Um, which again, I mean, I've I've yep. obviously we talked last week about um, about kind of my sort of still has, I don't know if I'd call it skepticism, but more of just like hesitation, wariness perhaps. And I think to be clear, like that is in no way a reflection of like me not enjoying the season or telling other people like not to enjoy what's happening. Like, no, 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 (laughs) absolutely enjoy the season. Just don't like, I I don't know. Like when, when, when I was saying like, I was kind of feeling, I had that comment to you. And then we immediately started recording about Bucks fans feeling themselves. It was more like, 
I saw people saying like, oh, like after losing the Raptors, like, well, we're still going to beat the Raptors in, in the playoffs and blah, blah. And I was just like, I, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I, hope, I hope so. But um, uh, it's kind of like, wow, we yeah. got cocky really, really quick. Um, and, you know, I still, yeah. again, like based on what's happening this season, obviously the Bucks have a great case that they are the best team in basketball, um, you know, just in terms of performance during the season. But yeah, I mean, it's going to probably be, you know, it's playoffs are always a bit different. We don't know exactly how different they are. And um, I know we, we hit on it too, um, but I, 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 I did double check. So the Warriors actually won a playoff series before they, they had that title title win. It just wasn't the year before. It was actually weird. They won a playoff series against Denver, I think in like 12, 13. And then the next year they lost in the first round. I think it was, I think that was to the Clippers maybe. Um and then the year after they won the finals. So it's like, it was like a weird thing, right? Because they went from a first round out to a young <laughs> yeah. team that was a first round out to winning the t- finals, but they had actually won, like the core had won a playoff series before. And, you know, and then I was looking at Oklahoma city cause I was curious about like sort of what that arc was with Durant and Westbrook. And um, they lost in the first, they, the first year they went to the playoffs, they lost the first round. The second year they lost in the West finals. And then the third year they lost in the, uh, NBA finals. So they had kind of like, I mean, again, like that's a pretty, you know, steep trajectory as well. Um, but you know, it wasn't like, again, yeah. like if, as far as the idea of like the buck, you know, again, and it's like, depends like what your objective is, right? Like to say the bucks can't go to the East finals, like clearly they can. Right. I mean, if you're a top two seed and yeah. you know, uh, again, we'll see kind of how the Celtics and the Sixers kind of evolve over the course of the season. Um, Boston's just been kind of weird. Like, the, like it seemed like they were playing really well for a stretch here for like a month or so. Um, but then they've had some weird struggles. And then like Kyrie's been just annoying as hell and calling people out again. And I don't know, like I'm enjoying because Ky- I just don't like Kyrie. So I'm just sort of enjoying like him, like alienating himself by opening his mouth all the time. Um, and Philly's just kind of continued to just be weird, right? Just like mix in like disappointing yep. losses. Embiid's kind of had a couple nagging injuries, and there's still kind of those just the big questions about top end talent. Like one of their guys, Spike Eskin, like wrote something about like trading Jimmy Butler at the deadline, yeah. Or, yeah. like today. Like that's that's the spot that they're in. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like I'm as a Bucks fan, I'm like very hesitant to like kick dirt on the Celtics and well, I'd happily kick dirt on the Celtics and, and Sixers, but I'm, I'm not going to bury them. If, if kicking dirt sure. is burying them, um, I, I would love to, if I had that ability, cause I, I hate those teams, but, um, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not prepared to say like, Oh yeah, they're, they're done. Bucks are going to beat those teams that they play on the playoff. It's a long season. It's Boston in particular. I mean, they have a ton of talent and if they all get healthy and kind of clicking again, which again, like, relying on the fact that they have you know too many talented offensive weapons and they're not going to be able to like figure that out that's not something i want to like have to bank on um i think banking on them just not having like a Giannis type talent i feel better about that um but uh (laughs) but it is sort of a weird thing i mean they basically have like sort of opposite problems right like boston has like kind of too many like pretty talented players who all want more touches and and philly just has like three guys who also, all want, all want touches, but like they have no none of the depth. So I, I don't know, but those teams still kind of scare me. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think I, I think here's a, here's a question. So um, I think I would say I think we're at the point, And again, like things can things can change quickly. Like 
like we have to say, um, I'm, I'm going to say it because I don't, I mean, I don't think I'm jinxing it. I want to say it because it, it's true. Like, I mean, the Bucks injury wise have been very lucky this year. Like, you know, yep. you've had kind of random injuries here and there. Guys missed like a game or two, but we haven't had like what happened last year. I mean, we haven't had Malcolm Brogdon miss three months or whatever it was. Right. You haven't had yep. um, Giannis, obviously, or Chris or Brooke, even like any, any of those starters miss any significant playing time. Um, you know, God forbid, like Brooke Lopez, like breaks his foot again or so- something like that. Right. I-, I mean, if that happens, then again, it's not like the Bucks suddenly become bad or something like that, but that's a, it's a real test, you know, and the Bucks have depth. I think they can probably cope with some injuries for shorter periods, probably pretty well. Um, but who knows, right? You never kind of exactly know what happens mm-hmm. if, if you get a, a, a more major injury to what kind of a key piece. And um, if it happens at the wrong time, I mean, lots of teams like Oklahoma City can, can attest to this. They've had it happen a number of times. Like, you know, you just get bad timing. I mean, the Warriors have almost had this happen with Steph suffering injuries right around the playoffs a couple times. Um, but you just get a bad injury at the wrong time. Houston Rockets, you know, Chris Paul getting injured um, when you when you have a chance to beat the Rockets. Um, you just never know. So it, it's kind of, for me, it's kind of hard to like bank on anything. But I think, I feel like you you made me talk a lot about like what I expect of the Bucks, But like, Sure. What do you, I mean, like, what do you think would be like success versus failure for the Bucks season? Because this came out, so I did a, a Reddit AMA over the weekend. I think I linked to it on Twitter if you guys are curious to see what I, what I, uh, thoughts I had on all these questions. I RT'd it as well. If you are on Twitter, you can follow Frank at F Madden NBA. You can follow me at Eric underscore name. There you go. Um, and uh, so I, it, it came up um, in a couple of different ways, but someone, someone, I think, um, our uh, brew hoop contributor, uh, uh, the the man on Twitter known as at Bucks Film Room, I think asked it. Although I don't know if I answered his version of the question, but there was another version of the question um, about like what would be success and failure. Um, and it's a really interesting question um, because I think we're at the point where if the Bucks lose in the finals it'll be a successful season because you presumably you're losing to the warriors. And like, let's be honest, like as much as bucks fans are feeling themselves, like (laughs) beating the healthy warrior, a healthy warriors team is still just like an unbelievably monumental task for a team that again, like the core has not won a playoff series. Um, So, I mean, I think we'd all look back extremely fondly on this season and be like really pumped about next year. If you lose to the warriors in the finals, if you lose in the East finals though, I mean, it would depend on how you lost, but I feel like there would be, I feel like that would leave a bitter taste. I think we're at the point where it's like, there's not like, oh, well, we're just not as good as Toronto or Boston or Philly or obviously Indiana, right? Like, I don't, I don't, it's kind of crazy, but I think we've gotten to the point where, like, if you told me that the Bucks lose in the East Finals, like, on, I would say that that would be a successful season, probably, because the East Finals is, it means you're one of the top two teams in the East, and that's, a big accomplishment, but I also feel like it would be disappointing for Bucks fans because it means that you got to the East Finals and a team that probably isn't really much or at all better than you beat you. Um, and so I think it just—I I don't know. Do you think that's a fair way to kind of frame it? Because I mean, I think that's a really—it's a really powerful statement about how far the Bucks have come and maybe the expectations that have 
pretty quickly risen for this team. I think success versus failure is an extremely unfair way to frame any sort of discussion about basketball because everything to me is so very much context-based. But, um, you know, I I do think we've very quickly progressed um, from having incredibly low expectations to you know, incredibly high expectations. And I mean, uh, high and low is all relative, but, you know, with a team this talented, uh, you know, like we're at a a spot where both of us in the hashtag 50 win club were, we weren't ostracized or anything, but, you know, we were on the the more uh, optimistic end of things. Um, And again, like I think a lot of smart box fans had a, had a good feeling about this and thought Bud could do some things and Giannis would take another step and everything would end up kind of working. But, um, you know, we blew through that pretty quick. Um, I think before the weekend, uh, the Bucks were in a spot at 29 and 11, where if they went 500 for the rest of the season, they were going to win 50 games. And that would be an abject failure, right? Like uh, everyone would look at that and say, how the, how the hell did you only win 50 games? And that that's what we were saying, thinking on uh, January 15th, as we're going to put this podcast out, like that just, just thinking about that is says a lot about this team. And, you know, I think that quickly has gone up to 55 and, you know, maybe some people are thinking about 60 wins and a number one or a two seed. And, you know, I think, you know, if you put yourself in that position where you are a one or a two seed, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think getting to the finals then, you could view it as a success and losing to the Warriors. But I, I think it is fair to start saying that, you know, expectations have changed very quickly. You have what, I, I don't even think it's an argument at this point, and Kawhi Leonard's coming on a little bit here, but you have the best player in the conference. And I think just about everyone agrees with that. And, you know, I think you have one of the, three teams that are probably running at like the peak of their powers in the Eastern conference. When you look at the bucks, the Raptors and the Pacers, I think those three teams have all kind of figured out who they are in many ways and, and are playing as a cohesive unit. Obviously the Sixers need to figure things out and the Celtics do as well. But you know, when you put all those things together, you put the, the best player in the conference on your team, you put a role players that make sense. You put a system that makes sense around them. You put um, kind of everything working for you and with no injuries. I think you, you kind of have to think about this and say, yeah, that, you know, if this team doesn't get to the finals now, um, failure is not a word I like to use, but yeah, I mean, I think in in some ways you would not be playing up to expectations. And if people want to use the word failure, that's, I think that would be fine. So uh, I think it's, it's kind of crazy to think about just how much this is all transformed and, uh, you know, how much things have changed even just since the start of the season. But I mean, I think you're awfully close to that spot where I think you have to expect this team to to get to the to the finals. And again, maybe that means you're expecting a lot out of your team. But as fans, why would you expect little out of your team? Like, I, I don't know if it. Well, I guess you're a Bucks fan. Um, but other than that, like, I think you always expect the most out of your team. And you know, if you if you put yourself in a position where you are the one or two seed and uh, I think you you got to 
think through that and say, yeah, the, then that team should, should come out of the East. And if not, then uh, they probably didn't play up to their full potential in the season. I would, well, let me, so one thing you said there, let me, let me push back and maybe I just misread you a little bit, but I think 50 wins by, well, I guess you could argue by like, especially late in the preseason because they played really well in the preseason, but, um, and because people just listen to us and view us as, you know, very wise and take our word for things. <laughs> um, but I, I think 50 wins was, a, I think there was a lot of optimism that the Bucks were going to win 50 games this year. I mean, I think, again, like this is always hard because it's like I have no, I have no scientific poll. I'm Not sure before have- the preseason. I would disagree with it before really? the preseason. I think around that time, people were like starting to get excited, but I think it hit. I think it hit everyone, um, and you know, I just kind of remember had Chris Herring for some reason was at a Bucks preseason game. And it was one of the ones where they put up like 44 threes or something. And he just looked at me. He's like, so is this Rockets Eastern Conference now? Like, what is this team I'm watching? And, you know, like, I think those first, I think the first two preseason games were at home, if I remember correctly. Um, And they just were chucking, yeah, Chicago and Minnesota. And in those two games, they're just chucking up threes and just beating the brakes off the bulls. And then, uh, giving it to the Timberwolves as well. And, you know, it just kind of felt like everyone at that point, like after those four preseason games was like, okay, this team could win 55 games. And, you know, maybe they could win even more than that. Like this is one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. I didn't feel, I felt like when, when you and I during, let's say like July, we're starting to say like, this is a 50 win team. Like at that point, I felt like people were kind of pushing back. And then the over-under came out, I think at 46 and a half it started. And then everyone's starting to bet the, the over on it. And then it turned up to 47 and a half. But like, that was still where the line was. And like there, I think there were some Bucks fans that were totally convinced of, of a 50-win season. But I mean, even you, like I had to talk you into being in the 50-win club. And I think you put it at 50? I, I think I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't do it on Nate's podcast. So I chickened out. On, I went to 49. Nate did as well. And then when we did it um, in our last podcast, over-unders, I went, I went over 50. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Because it, the Bucks definitely became, as you were kind of alluding to, the Bucks became like a very popular overpick, um, especially I mean, with pretty smart people, I would say, too. I mean, you know, I mean, not that Bill Simmons is like an expert on NBA betting, but you know, I obviously, so I, I enjoy Bill's podcast. Um, I enjoy just generally the ringer podcasts uh, about the NBA and he seemed very optimistic. And then, you know, Zach Lowe, I think Zach picked them third in his like final kind of preseason predictions, um, which now obviously doesn't seem risky at all. But at the time, I think, because mm-hmm. again, like the thing, as much as people thought 50 wins was very realistic for the Bucks, um, you know, I think there was trepidation. I mean, I certainly could feel it just because I, I, I mean, especially someone who hates the Celtics and Sixers, like I had a hard time, like, you know, allowing myself to think that, yeah, you're actually going to beat those teams. Um, and God, if they can beat the Celtics and the Sixers in the regular season and then beat one or both those teams in the playoffs, that would be so goddamn sweet. It would be awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, it really would, wouldn't it? Um, everyone um, for the the 
regular season retrospective, the season retrospective, you might want to clip that one. Uh, shout out to our friend on Twitter at, uh, at Tetonia World. Uh, make sure you make sure you grab that one for Frank. Yeah, you have it done. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I think again, like uh, that was the other reason it would have been. I would I really wanted that win on Friday, in part because it would have made the Bucks mm-hmm. what thirty and eleven at the midway mark. So you would have literally been on track for the exact record that yep. the 61 Hawks had, um, you know, a few years ago when, when Bud won 60 games in Atlanta. Uh, and one thing I'll say too, like it, it, it's, it's, it, I mean, it's only natural to try to draw comparisons between those Hawks and these bucks. And I know Andrew and Ben on open floor talked a little bit about it. Um, but it's also kind of weird to do that. Um, because it's like structurally, like those teams. I mean, like it's kind of hard. I, I just—it's very hard to compare a team that has Giannis to mm-hmm. a team whose best player was like, I guess, Al Horford. You know. And again, I'm a big fan of Al Horford, especially that vintage Al Horford. Um, but it's They're not just, close. I'm, it's not close. Like you can't yep. build an offense around Al Horford. Like Al Horford is a classic complimentary guy. Al Horford is like a brook, you know, I mean, I'd have to look at the numbers, but I mean like offensively he was, um, and he wasn't really shooting a lot of threes, I think back then, but, um, but like in terms of like a great, like, you know, I guess relatively speaking, it was maybe comparable because Al Horford shooting like occasional threes and mid range jumpers really well. was like the, you know, 2014, 15 equivalent of mm-hmm. Brooke Lopez shooting 30 footers, I guess. Um, so, but, but I mean, it just kind of underscores it, right? It's like, you know, yeah, you had all these nice role players, but Bucks have a bunch of nice kind of complimentary pieces. And then, oh yeah, they have Giannis, which kind of just, you know, blows everything away in a comparison with, uh, with Atlanta. Now, as far as like Atlanta being sixth in offense, sixth in defense and the Bucks, you know, as we've heard often over the last few weeks, being the only team in the top five in both offense and defense, you know, certainly the, the general idea of building a team that can both score and defend at a high level. Obviously that never goes out of style. Um, but I don't know. I feel like there's, and I was, I was messaging with some, some uh, Twitter people recently about this, but it's kind of interesting. Cause it's like, I still hear people like think back to like people still, I think um, like, I know Nate has, Nate Duncan has talked about this, like concerns about Mike Budenholzer as a playoff coach based on some of what happened when he was in Atlanta. And Nate has a much better knowledge of what that even refers to. Cause I don't, I don't remember the details of, you know, what kind of lineups they used when they got crushed by the Cavs or whatever. Right. Like, I mean, I, I don't remember what the details of that were, but it's also just seems kind of strange to on some level. Cause I think they had injuries and they were playing LeBron. <laughs> so it's kind, yep. of, kind of like, you know, all right. Um, what, what exactly were we expecting of, uh, of those that that Hawks team at that point, um, so I don't know. It's uh, it's it's all just fun to even be kind of having these conversations, obviously. And um, you know, again, I think, uh, like I said, enjoy this. You know, enjoy wins, enjoy enjoy wins that are close, that maybe are closer <laughs> than they should be. Um, enjoy blowout wins, enjoy wins against bad teams, enjoy wins against good teams, because you know we've we've had this coming for a long time and 
you know, soak it in. Don't don't let the high heightened expectations sort of take away from from the enjoyment, um, and especially of Giannis. And by the way, as as we were talking earlier, I looked up at Giannis's stats against the Heat. It it is weird. He just has not. I don't think he scored more than twenty four points in the last two years against the Heat. Um, it just seems like he he just has not had any big games against them. Um, they have one, I think one or one or two games maybe in that span. Um, but it was only at home and they have just, yeah, they have especially struggled on the road. So, um, you know, in the theme of avenging losses, uh, <laughs> it would feel very nice to see Giannis in particular and the Bucks more generally avenge, uh, avenge their heat struggles, uh, on Tuesday. And especially with, you know, again, that back to back coming up in Memphis where, um, Memphis has obviously kind of been struggling for a little bit, but you, you never want to take for granted a, a back-to-back in Memphis, especially the way they play and everything else. So um, anyway, I'll, I'll pause. I just hit like three different topics at once there. No, it's okay. Um, I think that there was some interesting stuff, you know, with with a comparison between the, the Hawks and the Bucks, And, you know, like I just think this is, I think in many ways, the rich man's version of – of that Hawks squad because you, I think the, the great thing about that Hawks team was that, you know, like the, the sum of their parts was greater. Like that was the the whole idea that all these guys just worked together and found a way to have career seasons and career years and just play so well together and play this great basketball. And it's like, that's what the Bucks are doing. They just also happen to have a super duper star and like that, that makes a difference that, that, that kind of makes things, you know, really kind of get, uh, I mean, it just go to a, a totally different level um, and, and kind of allow them to, you know, not have those same concerns because, you know, as, as Ben and Andrew were having that conversation, uh, you know, the guy that they brought up in the Eastern Conference as being, you know, LeBron was, was Giannis. So n- not only uh, does does Mike Budenholzer's teams not have to worry about LeBron anymore, they might also have LeBron and still have all of that other stuff. And you know, like I just thought that conversation was interesting because uh, you did mention that you know there is some skepticism among them, and uh, you know they said, well, maybe we should just enjoy them and not start asking questions about how elite they are or anything like that. And then you know to end the conversation, Andrew is like, you know they're they're damn good. Like there's, there's no denying how good they are. And they both kind of concluded at the end that, you know, just because this is how things have to go, it'll end with Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens throwing a junk defense at Giannis and it kind of working. And, you know, as that was happening, I couldn't help but think back to a conversation we had last week that was Brad Stevens can't do that. Or I shouldn't say can't, but hasn't been able to do that uh, to this point. And it's just like that, if that's your, if that's the end point to a conversation between two people, we both really respect, like, oh, the Bucks are going to lose because something we can't foresee happening is going to happen. What does that say about the Bucks, right? Like, that says they're really damn good. And the only way that we can see this not working for them is to think of some hypothetical situation that is ultimately unlikely. Um, and again, like 
shit like that happens in the playoffs. So that is very well how the Bucks could be knocked off. That that is very much how things could go poorly for them, or you know things could go wrong. They don't shoot well. Other team shoots well across seven games. Whatever, like all those things could happen. But you know, like that's the spot that two guys that you know were mentioning still being skeptics. Like the the scenario they had to come up with was was something that Giannis destroyed last year like brad stevens trying to scheme him for seven games didn't fucking work like he he was just great he he just dominated that series so um i don't know like i that that to me is why you know going back to our conversation about success and failure like stuff like that is why ultimately it does feel like you know if they don't come out of the east this year it does feel like a failure in some ways because that's that's the only way you can kind of talk yourself into this. I shouldn't say the only way because you're a little bit better at it than I am. But you know, when I when I try to look at this team objectively, and obviously that's going to be difficult because I see this team every night and I don't see all the other teams every night. But I mean, you, you kind of have to think through some things and say like, oh well, you know, maybe things don't go the Bucks way, or you know, they have a poor shooting night, or you know, they do this or they do that, and it's like all those things are are outside of the norm or outside of, you know, what's going to happen a majority of the time. And again, that's the ultimate fear of being a Bucks fan, like never trust the Bucks. like something surely will happen that is just going to destroy them. Um, but we're, we're at a spot now where I don't want to say we're grasping at straws because all these things can happen. And uh, we've seen how many threes the Bucks give up and we've seen the Bucks be cold. So like those things can happen. Um, but you know, like we're at a spot where we're looking at things that aren't on the overly likely side of things like, Oh, this is surely how the season will end. Like, it's like, well, maybe it could end this way or maybe it can end that way. So um <laughs> It's a really weird conversation to have about the Milwaukee Bucks, and I just realized it. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and I was just going to say, I mean, like, I remember, um, I don't know if it was the last time before yesterday when Kane was on with you, um, but I remember you guys having a discussion about, like, the Bucks and what if they don't shoot well in a playoff series or, you know, like, kind of the sort of discussion, like the double-edged sword of being, like, a team that relies on three points, a lot of three-pointers. Um and I mean, we've kind of seen it this month and the Bucks are shooting what 30, I think they're having their worst shooting month of the season here in January. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're shooting like 32% from three and they're scoring a, the best off they have the best offensive rating that they've had in any month. <laughs> like they're at 114.5 with a plus 10.5 net rating. So um, I think that's very important. I mean, that's like kind of one of these things that, uh, they're actually kind of reminding me um, it's well, not maybe stylistically, but um, I mean, certainly for the volume of threes, but like a couple of years ago when, you know, the Rockets were, were really starting to just push the limits of three point shooting so far beyond what any other team was doing. And I think like a lot of casual folks were like surprised because they weren't shooting a high percentage from three, but they just scored tons of points. And it was almost like, wait a minute, they're shooting too many threes because they're not shooting them that well. It's like, really? Are they shooting too many threes? <laughs> like, you know, do you think it's like they're, do you think they're scoring a ton of points in spite of shooting threes? And I think with the Bucks, we're seeing that as well. And that's something we talked about as well, too, right? It's not, you know, it's, it's not just about, oh, do you have like, do you have a bunch of like great individual three-point shooters? A lot of it's just, you know, when guys are at open at all, just, just have them shoot it and put that kind of pressure on the defense. And, 
you know, as long as you get up lots of threes, um, maybe there's some nights where you're just going to be objectively, you know, objectively terrible from three and you're just, you know, going to shoot your way out of the game. But the Bucks are also kind of uniquely qualified to overcome those nights as we've seen a lot this year, because, you know, you have the ultimate guy in the paint, Giannis, you know, paint score Giannis. And then you also have though, you know, Brogdon and Bledsoe in particular are guys who can also be very dangerous attacking the basket. So they are sort of, you know, in spite of a team that doesn't have, you know, kind of traditional, like a post-up center that, you know, you might've one previously thought of, they have something much better, which is, you know, a guy who can just get the ball and just, you know, run his own little unassisted dunk play. Um, although he has not gotten a dunk in the last two games and is still averaging 30 points a game. So that's kind of cool. He has 30, 33 field goal <laughs> attempts and 33 free throw attempts in the last two games. So basically any of his dunks have been just turned into fouls. Um, and he had that one, that one play on Sunday where Bledsoe gave it to him and he like was going to go up and dunk and like, it got like kind of stripped away as he went up and the mm-hmm. ball went off the glass. And in any way, it was one of the weirder, um, baskets he's made this year he was probably fouled yep. which is why the ball went up in the air but um thankfully it went in but yeah it's uh it's just a team obviously again like i think i think probably the the most important thing we've seen over the last month has been they can win games when they don't shoot well and part of that's yep. defense and part of that is just offensive diversification and not just relying on you know Giannis, but also having other guys who can score on any given night um but then also being able to, and I think Zach talked about this in one of his stories as well, but, you know, DJ and Sterling and to some extent Thon when he was actually playing more, like those guys, like being competent rotation guys and actually being able to contribute <laughs> in any type of way. like On a podcast in the year of our Lord, 2019, Zach Lowe said, the Bucks have just drafted so well. Yeah. That was a, a real sentence he said to Bill Simmons. And if I would have told you that Zach said that in January of 2019, I don't know what you would have thought in July of this year. Yeah, I, maybe you thought Thon broke out to be a star. Like I don't even know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That, but, but yeah, DJ DJ becoming a critical rotation. But how would you have thought that? Like how? Like, how would you have thought, oh, the Bucks drafted well? That's a real thing. That is a fact. Like, there's no way, right? Like, that would have been, that was insane talk in July of, the, of 2018. Well, the, I mean, the second rounders is not surprising, right? Because obviously Brogdon is Brogdon, and I sure. think he's been better this year, but not in a way that's, like, shocking. Um, and Sterling, I think, has probably progressed as we hoped, right? I mean, I thought that was, that was one thing yeah. that we felt like we were wrong about early on, like, you know, coming into the season, like Sterling Brown was the guy that I, you know, I think when, um, when I was on dunked on and asked about like, you know, who's, who's another guy who's going to be, you know, but I think the quite my question might've been like, who's going to be a lot better than we think, or, or some, or who's, who, you know, whose opinion are we going to change our mind, our mind on, or, um, yep. whose opinion are we going to change our mind? That doesn't make much sense. Um, or, or like, you know, the, the whole, the more common theme was who is Bud going to elevate the most, right? We had a lot of conversations on that mm-hmm. and, you know, Sterling was a guy we talked about a lot because, you know, it's natural for guys to progress from their rookie year to their second year anyway. And so, you know, with the wing whispers known as the Bucks coaching staff, um, that seemed like a reasonable guess, especially given, you know, the rest of the wing rotation was kind of a, had some question marks, obviously. Um, and so it was interesting because Sterling basically didn't play for the first few weeks of the season. And then for him to, and again, it's not like he's lighting the world on fire, you know, like someone asked me about, 
because there's been a lot of like people trying to talk themselves into the Bucks not retaining Chris Middleton and how that can be like not a bad thing. Um, you know, someone asked me about like how I would feel about Sterling Brown replacing Middleton in the starting lineup next year, and I was like, uh, not great. <laughs> like, like I'm, I, I'm yeah. a huge fan of Sterling Brown as like your bench kind of rotation guy who doesn't have to carry you know a big burden offensively. But let's be honest, like him having to slide into Chris Middleton's role is a whole whole different story. Um, a disaster. But yeah, I mean. A total fucking I mean, disaster. That would be but awful. But I mean, Brogdon and Brown doing those things, I think were probably somewhat expected. Um, but it really yeah. is. And it's it's interesting. But I mean, it, again, it kind of speaks to, it's like the thing I, I kind of used, I've brought up a number of times, which was, you know, if the Bucks had just kept that, that Clippers pick that became OG Ananobi and picked OG Ananobi or just had drafted OG Ananobi back when DJ was a nothing and not playing at all and just an idea. Um you know, I think mm-hmm. I think even then our perception of the Bucks roster and drafting would have changed a lot just because suddenly having like a young, really serviceable, like wing type guy, you know, amorphous, defensively versatile type guy would would really make you feel a lot more optimistic. Um, and wouldn't you know it, you know, that hypothetical has turned into DJ Wilson actually being, you know, again, he's not exactly comparable to OG Ananobi. They play differently. They're kind of sized differently. But um, but in terms of what the Bucks need in particular, DJ is extremely important, right? When you think about that guy who can spell Giannis, a guy who, again, we need to see it, I think, with more consistency, but hopefully a guy that will over time really be able to play with Giannis as kind of a 4-5 combo. Um, you know, that is that is massive. And, and as you said, I mean, you said a lot yesterday with Kane, like DJ doesn't need to be great. Like DJ doesn't need to be 15 points a game. I mean, I think he needs to be able to actually like, you know, take some shots and, you know, finish as a rim finisher occasionally and, you know, make an open three, which he has actually been making open threes, although he hasn't, doesn't take many of them. Um, But yeah, I mean, just kind of flexing some of that offensive skill set, which we know he has, you know, again, I don't don't think we're going to expect him to be like a high volume guy ever, but to you know, be able to punish teams that that don't respect his offensive abilities and kind of shade off him, do that, and then just do what you've been doing defensively, like play with energy, use your yep. length, actually play with some physicality, like that kind of stuff. Like DJ Wilson being a good rebounder, like I mean, he's legitimately a good rebounder. He's not just like a positional guy. I mean, he has grabbed rebounds for this team. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> like you look at you look at his history, yep. like in college, all this stuff. I mean, they, he did not do that, and it's not like he was like some great box out guy, like Burke Lopez or something, and everybody else was grabbing the rebounds. I don't think that was what was going on either. So, um, yeah, I mean, just those couple things, and Zach said as much, like that that changes sort of the build, the ways, different number of ways that this team can play and. Um, I think also just when you think about roster construction wise, like, you know, the fact that you've got guys who aren't paid that much that you can actually play. And as well, like, I mean, you're not going to go get a star player by throwing DJ Wilson or Sterling Brown into a trade. But if it's, you know, like I'm kind of, you need something to put you over the top. Absolutely. Like those kind of guys could, could actually have some value in trades, especially, you know, DJ, maybe it's a little bit, small sample with him, especially for like other teams. Um, but if he continues to play this well over the course of the rest of the season, and then the Bucks have a chance to make a trade or whatever, you know, I was absolutely skeptical that he could be a trade piece at his contract, but 
I think now he's definitely evolving into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's it's been quite quite a year as as we are here at the at the halfway point, Frank. Uh, we just talked about the Bucks being a disappointing if they don't go to the NBA Finals. We talked about the Bucks drafting well. Um, we talked about oh my gosh, I, I can't even. I honestly can't even believe we just recorded that podcast because there's a whole lot of stuff there where it's just like if you. And, and again, like there's some people that were very optimistic about the Bucks, and you know if we would have been able to time travel and hand this to them in July, they'd been like, yeah, sure, all this makes sense. But to most people, this would be like we were speaking a, a foreign language. Like, what uh, the Bucks did all of these things? That's that's great. That's that's unbelievable. No, there's no way that can be true. Um, but yeah, they did, and it's a good time to be a Milwaukee Bucks fan. So I'm gonna let us get out of here. We've gone far too long because we always do. But that's just okay with me. Frank, very happy to have you back and ready to go and firing off takes. So uh, for Frank, man, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow after the heat game.